Roman Fusco. Michael J. Roman. My friend, my my Roman, my countryman. How That's many me. months of uh hey, let's record Ancestor Recall does your your sensei, your mentor, have to beg you for to get you to record a new episode? How many months? I think one. One one month of begging? How yeah. many times does a stranger have to stumble up to you in Las Vegas being like, <laughs> I really like Ancestor Recall podcast before you're like, oh, can I record a new Ancestor Recall podcast as soon as I get back from MTG Vegas, Michael J? How many of those? The, the, the guy I met was like, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next one. I'm like, okay, I guess I'd better get on it. <laughs> why, why do you sound disgruntled? You know this is everyone's favorite podcast who's ever heard it, right? Like I just sent you this thing. Like that that player is a mythic number one player, not like a mythic player. He's literally held mythic number one. He's just like I'm just gonna get into ancestor recall. Good for that. I sent you that this morning. <laughs> All right. Well, we're here, and we're recording. Got to keep up the momentum. All right. What did we do last time? Information cascades, or we did one since then. We did, we've done two since the comeback. It was Information Cascades and uh, Picture This. Okay. So, I, I mean, this would seem less less uh, kind of repetitive if we had done more episodes, I think. But it's going to seem a little repetitive only because Information Cascades uh, was one of the last couple ones we've done since the comeback. But we're going to do another Patrick Chapin article this week, Roman Fusco. Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily, it's a good one. So we're going to do innovations, winning a PTQ, comma, not violating the prime directive. Monday, January 10th. Never play a bad something else. That is the prime directive, and Patrick Chapin, world-class deck designer, is here to tell you how to avoid building decks that are just worse versions of something else. Why? Why would I want to do that? A savvy deck builder is capable of coming up with far more deck lists than ought to ever be put to cardboard. Sometimes we go into the tank, brewing and brewing, and when we emerge, often hours later, we're shot down in seconds by an unbiased observer that calls attention to a fatal weakness in the deck we are building. Not a weakness in terms of bad matchup or a card it struggles with. Those kinds of weaknesses can be addressed. No. I'm talking about the fatal weakness of being a bad something else. Inspiration comes from any number of places, and generally when it strikes, it's more useful to let it run wild than to stop it and ask it to explain itself. An idea from Fraz the Monkey in the forums last week prompted a bit of brewing over on my page. The concept? Splinter Twin Fairies, Patrick Chapin, test deck on... January 16th, 2011. Three Mistbind Click, four Pestermite, three Spell Stutter Sprite, three Lightning Bolt, four Mana Leak, four Cryptic Command, three Thoughtseize, four Bitter Blossom, three Splinter Twin, four Preordain, one Mountain, two Island, four Secluded Glen, four Mutavault, three Cascade Bluffs, one Crumbling Necropolis, two Scalding Tarn, four Black Leap Cliffs, four Dark Slick Shores. Sideboard. One Terminate, one Deathmark, two Jace Bellerin, one Thoughtseize, two Fire Spout, two Glen Alindra Archmage, one Consume the Meek, one Flame Slash, two Inquis- Inquisition of Kozilek, 
one worm coil engine, one ratchet bomb. The idea was spawned out of a discussion about Grixis fairies, which sacrifices the perfect mana base for answers to stag and other red contributions. Here, we take the idea one step further. I sat down to playtest the concoction, but only made it 15 cards into proxying it, getting ready to test against fairies when I realized a fatal flaw. This was a clear violator of the Prime Directive. The Prime Directive. Never play a bad something else. I'm sure you've heard people use an expression along the lines of blue-white control is a bad blue-black control, or merfolk is a bad fairies deck. Whether or not you agree with either of those statements now or ever, the point is that they're attempting to convey the idea that one strategy is fatally flawed because it is, in essence, just like another strategy, only worse. Let's take Eldrazi Green and Standard. What is that deck, really? It's the same deck as Valakut. It's not just the core of Primeval Titan and Green Acceleration, they both are almost entirely mana with just summoning traps and a few key cards to win. They both try to go over the top of the opponent, they both feature a land package that can win through permission going long, they both are vulnerable to discard, they both involve relatively minimal interaction and so on. The difference? Valakut is just much better. Valakut has better matchups basically across the board. Regardless of how we try to articulate why that is, we have enough experience in the format by now to know that Valakut is a great deck, and that Eldrazi Green is a poor one. Not only that, but just about anything Eldrazi Green can do, Valakut can do better. The Prime Directive reminds us that when this is the case, the wise mage doesn't play the offending strategy. Keep in mind, we can't always be sure that a weaker deck is actually just a bad version of another deck. For example, Wargate is a worse deck than Fairies, in my opinion. However, it's certainly not a bad Fairies deck. They're not very like at all, neither in strategy nor matchups. There are a lot of reasons to play decks besides the best deck. If a deck truly is just a bad version of another deck, however, you by definition shouldn't play it. Any exception that you might formulate to this rule will really just demonstrate the example that you were considering didn't feature a deck that's actually just a bad version of another. For instance, when people talk about Merfolk being a bad fairies deck, often this is a gross generalization. Merfolk and fairies may be sort of counter-sliver tempo decks, but Merfolk is much more of the sliver beatdown style, lots of guys enhancing each other, whereas fairies is much more of a blue-black control deck that almost reminds one of Forgotten Orbs decks from the mid-90s. Forgotten Orbs decks were blue-black tempo decks with Mana War, Necrotal, Winter Orb, Fallen Ascari, Memory Lapse, and so on. They have similarities, but many of the cards and decks that are good against one are not good against the other. As a result, while Fairies is significantly better than Merfolk at the moment, it's conceivable, though unlikely, that the format could evolve to a place where that's reversed. As such, right now, Merfolk may be a bad Fairies deck, but you'd expect Cloud Threshers everywhere. Maybe it's possible that Merfolk ends up being a good Fairies deck. As you can see, this whole idea of a deck being a bad something else is very subjective and depends entirely on context. Anyway, the connection back to Splinter Twin is the heads-up comparison between Fairies and Splinter Twin Fairies. As I started proxying up the Splinter Twin build, I couldn't help but notice that the cards that were different from a traditional Fairies deck looked really bad sitting next to the originals. 
first of all, three Splinter Twins basically take the place of Jace the Mind Sculptor, Mistbind Click, and a Spell Stutter Sprite. Uh, kind of have to give it to the originals, but I guess it's close, so let's say we could go either way. Next, we see four Pester Mites instead of Scions or Vendillions. So obviously there's a reason why nobody makes that choice normally. But I'm not actually that sad to have Pestermite. The guy's not half bad. Still, this is a non-zero downgrade. Next, we have three bolts instead of three disfigures. Rock on. Now we're talking. That's an upgrade for sure. Then comes four preordains instead of two more removal spells and two more discard spells. Eh, I guess that's okay. But I sure like removal spells and discard spells. Oh, yeah. Our mana base. So outside of the fact that it's debatable whether or not our spells are even as powerful as the originals, our mana base is far, far worse. Fairies, a deck that has one of the best mana bases ever, is trivialized and now, quote, just another deck, end quote. To make matters worse, cards like Preordain and Splinter Twin are pretty terrible against traditional fairies. Why are we even doing this? There's nothing wrong with letting ourselves imagine stuff that people might consider crazy or terrible or whatever, but it's useful to remember to ask ourselves what we're trying to accomplish. Why are we adding a combo to kill fairies? Because we can? Just to be clever? We are better than that. Are you honestly telling me that the problem with fairies is that it just doesn't have a big enough kill condition? Or perhaps... It doesn't get enough turn 4 kills? No. The real problem with fairies are hyper-aggressive decks, hate cards, not drawing Bitter Blossom, being a tough deck, and enchantments. The Splinter Twin combo doesn't even pretend to address any of that beyond some bolts to help against stags. This idea was a fantastic idea. So don't confuse final ev evaluations with the relative merit of the idea. But if you have even one good deck idea in 10, you're way, way above the curve. Besides, who knows? Maybe a month from now, Splinter Twin Fairies is as popular as Justin Bieber. The goal here is to evaluate what's the best use of our time. We don't have enough time in the day to try each and every idea that we might come up with. As such, having shortcuts to help us determine which lines of deck building are worth pursuing are crucial. We mentioned above that the problem with Eldrazi Green is that it's just a bad Valkut. Blue-Green Genesis Wave is a deck that, had, that some had considered to be a good Eldrazi Green deck, or in the words of our national champion Josh Utter-Layton, it's a bad Blue-Red-Green deck. The Blue-Green Wave deck, originally designed by returning legend Michael J. Flores and discussed here, had new life breathed into it by the mad genius Conley Woods himself. Here's the list that Conley took to a top two finish at the Star City Games Open in Kansas City this past weekend. Blue-Green Genesis Wave, Conley Woods, second place at Star City Games Standard Open on January 9th, 2011. Four Acidic Slime, four Lotus Cobra, four Jiraga Tree Speaker, four Overgrown Battlement, four Frost Titan, three Primeval Titan, four Jace the Mind Sculptor, four Spreading Seas, three Genesis Wave, Four Forest, Four Island, Four Misty Rainforest, One Scalding Tarn, Two Verdant Catacombs, Three Halimar Depths, Four Colony Garden, Four Tectonic Edge, Sideboard, One Mind Slaver, Two Summoning Trap, Two Narcolepsy, Four Obstinate Baloth, One Stormtide Leviathan, Two Vol Volition Reigns, 
two Ratchet Bomb, one Wall of Tangle Cord. Primeval Titan finding Tectonic Edge is nothing new, and Frost Titan made his way into the build long ago. It's almost comical that it took Conley Woods, who adds land destruction to everything, this long to finally just get over it and add Acidic Slime and Spreading Seas to the mix. Do you realize that over 50% of all land destruction decks made during the Obama administration have been Conley's doing? Cutting a Primeval Titan a Genesis Wave, the four adjustable slots, Oracle, Garrix, etc., and two lands to add the four seas and four slimes is a clean and intriguing move. The land destruction angle is certainly awesome against Valakut. The deck was already great against blue decks. I'm not sure how we're doing against aggro, but there does seem to be a heavier anti-aggro plan in the board. All in all, this definitely looks like a pretty sweet upgrade to the list. But is this just a bad red-blue-green deck? Here's where the beauty of Conley's plan comes into play. The buffing of the land destruction elements helps differentiate blue-green wave from red-blue-green by accentuating something that it does and does well now that red-blue-green can't do. One of Raptor's biggest complaints with the old list was that it was much like a red-blue-green deck without preordain or lightning bolt. Not having that library manipulation or removal cuts out two major elements that red-blue-green has going for it. What did we get in return? We ramp out a bunch of stuff, but that's about it. Don't get me wrong. It's pretty sweet to wave out of control, but really, we weren't doing much that Red Blue Green doesn't do beyond the minimal land destruction theme of Frost Titan and Tectonic Edge. Now, the LD is in high gear. This gives us a key difference, a positional imbalance that we can build on. There are a variety of positional imbalances in Magic that can be basically lumped into three categories. One, mana supply leads to tempo. Two, cards in hand or permanence leads to card advantage. Three, life total, cards in library, poison counters, leads to the philosophy of fire. For more on these basic building blocks on magic theory, check this out. Each of these categories can, of course, be broken into many, many smaller categories, but pretty much everything fits into one of these three types of advantages. Okay, not pretty much everything, actually everything. This is all well and good for making us feel good about ourselves and how smart we are for having thought such high-level thoughts, but some jaded forum dwellers would ask for a tad bit more practicality in our theory. Conley Woods adding a dedicated land destruction package, again, gives him an opportunity to create or exploit an imbalance that Red Blue Green cannot. When operating correctly, land destruction tends to capture a fair bit of tempo. This tempo is useless without some mechanism for exploiting it, such as a bitter blossom sitting on the battlefield. But Blue-Green Wave has a natural solution. Titans and waves are fantastic things to do when you and your opponent are just kind of hanging out. You flooded and him screwed. It's not so important how good Conley's build is. What's important is that it has a different element to it than Red-Blue-Green. It now fully embraces a plan that Red-Blue-Green doesn't even touch on. This means there's certainly no violation of the Prime Directive here. The ability to evaluate a game state and formulate a plan in Magic is of the utmost importance. Michael Jacob has written extensively about the importance of having a plan. He'd agree that not having a plan leads to getting punished. But what exactly is a plan? Planning is the process by which a player utilizes the advantages and minimizes the drawbacks of his position. In order to promise success, planning is thus always based on a diagnosis 
of the existing characteristics of that position. It is therefore most difficult when the position is evenly balanced and easiest when there is only one plan to satisfy the demands of the position. Harry Gollumbeck, Encyclopedia of Chess, quote taken from How to Reassess Your Chess by J. Simon. At the end of the day, if you want to gain an advantage in a game of magic, you have to find a way to unbalance the game. Both sides are basically identical most of the time out of the gate, with the primary difference being one player beginning with the initiative going first. Conley has pushed the land destruction theme, as he's wont to do, in an effort to create a temporary imbalance that he can capitalize on. This is hardly only one uh, way one or Conley can or does, but it's an excellent reminder of the sorts of ways one can steer their deck away from an existing deck. Most people just make stuff just to be making it. Okay, I guess technically most people don't even bother coming up with that many ideas themselves, but among those that do, an awful lot of them just try to make stuff without rhyme or reason. Do you have any idea how many people send me white, black, red, mid-range decks that are literally created just because no one ever plays that color combination? I assure you, it's not because no one has ever thought of it. Oh, it would be good someday, no question, but when it is, it will be for a reason. It's great to think such ideas, but it's also useful to ask yourself what you're trying to accomplish. What does white, black, red do better than anyone else? What's its niche? What's the theory behind why you're playing that instead of cutting one of those colors for blue? Talk about three popular color combinations. When you have an idea that you want to explore, here are three simple questions to ask yourself to determine if you might be violating the prime directive. One, what's the difference between this deck and that other deck that's sort of like it? Two, why would you actually want to play this new other way? Three, what does that difference actually beat that the other way does not? Just playing different cards to be playing different cards isn't the ruthless spike road to victory. We want to win. We aren't afraid to invent crazy technology, but we want to win even if it's with boring cryptic commands or bitter blossoms or jaces or bloodbright elves or whatever. Perhaps this doesn't apply to you, as you might be one of those mono green or mono red types that care about a lot of things an awful lot more than winning the event. That's fine. Still, this article is primarily for those of us trying to win a PTQ, win an FNM, and win an Open, or win a Grand Prix. If you can't think of what positive differences there are, why you'd want them, and what matchups and situations you're better off in, then why are you going to the trouble? When you're building decks, brainstorming, whatever, ask yourself these three questions. Conley saw the mana denial element in blue-green wave that set itself apart from red-blue-green and ran with it. It would give him an edge against Valakut, a very important matchup. So already we have grounds for exploring the idea. That's a man with a plan. Let's jump back to the PTQ format with another list I'd considered just recently. Doran by Patrick Chapin from a test deck from January 16, 2011. Four Doran the Siege Tower, four Gaddock Teague, three Wiltleaf Liege, four Noble Hierarch, four Knight of the Reliquary, four Putrid Leech. For Thoughtseize, two Path to Exile. For Maelstrom Pulse, three Inquisition of Kozilek. Three Forest, one Plains, two, Mount, uh, two Swamp. Two Murmuring Bosque, one Twilight Mire. Two Marsh Flats, three Misty Rainforest. Four Verdant Catacombs, one Sajiri Step, one Stirring Wildwood, one Tectonic Edge, and three Razor Verge Thicket. Okay, so 
Let's set aside the somewhat dubious mana base and ask ourselves a very basic question about the main deck. Why are we doing this? It's pretty obvious that this deck wants to play a typical junk game of using some discard to disrupt the opponent while dominating the board with top-notch mid-range brawlers and lots of big daddy-gaddy. And clearing the path with removal. This build of Doran is hardly groundbreaking. But remember what it is we're trying to accomplish that can help point us in a direction to go. This is certainly not going to be the concept behind every Doran deck, but adhering to this principle can help ensure that we're not just building a bad zoo deck or a bad junk deck or a bad fairies deck. How is Doran not a zoo deck? It has a discard package that lends a completely different slant to it. How is Doran not a Jun deck? Doran features a great deal more cheap fatties and Gaddock Teague. How is Doran not a fairies deck? Doran uses creatures that rely on individual power rather than synergy, plus dodges much of the fairies' hate. Now, as the deck surely demonstrates, simply not violating the prime directive doesn't make a deck good. I think there may be a Doran deck to be discovered, but I'm skeptical that this is it. Still, it's tempting to lie to ourselves and pretend this is extended. All the decks are bad. No, no, they aren't, dude. Not all the decks are bad. Not everyone understands why the good ones are good, but Fairies is most definitely good, and White Weenie is most definitely bad. I'm not saying the format isn't wide open, but for serious, let's keep it real here. There are definitely a number of good decks and a number of bad ones. We may disagree which get assigned to one side of the room or the other, but surely we can all agree that Fairies is good and White Weenie is bad. From there, it's just a matter of perspective. Actually, while we're on the topic, your deck doesn't necessarily suck, and even if it did, feeling bad won't help anything. Your deck could be better, and you'd feel better if you reflected on what you've been learning each day and in each playtest session. What does this Doran deck need to prosper? Well, one mana discard spells, Maelstrom Pulse, and Gaddock Teague, plus an even more disruptive sideboard make for a pretty disruptive angle of attack against big decks. Putrid Leech, Knight of the Reliquary, Doran the Siege Tower, Wilt Leaf Liege, and Path make for a pretty good anti-small deck strategy. Additionally, this list uses very versatile cards that have plenty of applications outside of their primary roles. The real problem with Doran? This deck has no Cryptic Commands. Not playing Cryptic Command right now just seems so bad. I mean, yeah, obviously I'd say that, but you know what? This isn't the first time this has come up. When Standard featured many of the same cards that are seeing heavy play and extended today, we used to always say that not playing Cryptic Command was a mortal sin. Play Fairies. Play Five Color Control. Play Blue White. Play Wargate. Play Ascension. Play Polymorph. Play Merfolk. But for the love of all that is holy, play Cryptic Command. Yes, I know that Jund is in the picture now. Plus, it's not hard to think of all sorts of clever decks like Necrotic Ooze or all sorts of decks that always exist like Mono Red. Seriously, though, why do you not want to play Cryptic Command? It's better than Jason, the format by far, and costs a small fraction of the dollar cost. Readers that read my column a couple years ago may... Remember, the perpetual process of adding Cryptic Command to each and every deck. Guess what? Jund, meet Five Color Blood. Conscription, meet the Cryptics. You could have been playing already. Elves, okay, elves, you better sit your butt down. Your time to shine is not when all the top players are playing Cryptic Command. 
What I am thinking of playing in Grand Prix Atlanta, I know it's startling, but we haven't invented Plumevale in over a year. Patrick Chapin, the innovator. Silence. What are you? You don't. You don't like Magic: The Gathering articles. Anymore. I thought you were gonna. You were gonna bring it back or something. You're gonna open up the discussion. Okay. For you. Um, you noticed a deck that Patrick said was bad and extended twice. Do you remember what deck that was? White Weenie. Do you know what deck his uh, BFF won the extended Pro Tour with? Like right before this. Was it White Weenie? Also, it was. It was. <laughs> Paul Rizal won, won the Pro Tour with White Weenie. He was just like, it's not the best deck. So it's. I think this was actually a really, funny enough, this was actually a pretty relevant article to something that I'm thinking about right now. Um, going off a little, little tangent here, but I've been playing a lot of Standard recently, and I've been trying to figure out this, like, I think I, I kind of mentioned this in our, one of our last podcasts. Our last podcast, Black, when was that? It was a month ago. Anyway, Sarah hasn't, the format's still the same, pretty much. Um... I, I've been trying to build a, a this. new set was released. <laughs> it was a pro was tour. It? Yeah, well, <laughs> it was literally a, a pro tour. We're, like we're getting there. Last getting week there. you were there. It was in yeah. Las Vegas. World's not a pro tour anyway. <laughs> okay, um, fine. The the point the point is that um, so I'm I think I'm, I'm thinking about going to an SCG tournament actually in Dallas in about a month. To play a standard main event, um, I haven't played a standard. I think the last time I played a standard SCG main event was in May of 2019, and I think I made 11th at that one playing like an Esper deck. Oh, that's not Esper, that bad. But Esper you're hero. You're four years off, more than four years off from playing an SCG. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah, sure so, that was the last one I played. So what are you asking me? Young Roman Fusca. So I last time we talked, I was brewing this deck that was sort of a blue-black control deck with Jace the Perfected Mind. Um, it was essentially a deck where you know you're you're just trading resources one for one. Um, you know, it's just a classic memory deluge, make disappear, go for the throat deck. But I had this surprise value of playing multiple copies of Jace the Perfected Mind to just mill my opponent in one turn, essentially. If they're like just, mono white, you probably have like a hundred percent matchup, right? Like, yeah. Well, know, my, like, my best matchup was like control. so. So right before Worlds, I was testing the deck online, and what I found was that I had a hundred percent win rate against domain decks because they, the 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 Alara uh, for the cards called the Fox. They would just you know basically what would happen in a game is that they would cast uh, Invasion of Alara. Um. Is it, I forget, they cast that raccoon thing, the, the two-mana adventure card. I think Brother, the this is a different quest. deck. So that's not the domain deck. This is the storm deck. But Sure, sure. It's a, it's a, okay, it's a cascade version of the domain deck, right? Yeah, but the, yeah, but nobody plays that deck anymore. I under, people play it at the PT. Two it people was, it was, at the PT. Okay, well, the, the deck changed to domain. I also have 100% win rate against that deck. Okay, fine. If the, you want to brag the, the about play, your... Well, you just counterspell their seven drop, right? Like, sure, you yeah. Them you just, everything you, you counterspell their seven drop. The, the point is, you counterspell, yeah, you counterspell just their seven drops, but also they they just do so much deck damage to themselves with cards like Invasion of Zendikar. You just don't care, and you kill all their threats, and then you just mill them with Jace, like in two, with like two copies of Jace, and you win. 
right? Man, you you guys have such great lingo. Deck damage is such an intuitive thing to say. I learned that from Michael Jacob, who was referenced in this article. It's awesome. You know what? Do you know Rebel? Rebel the... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rebel is a, a commander streamer, but I'll forgive it because um, Rebel is also uh, an aspirant in pre-modern. Rebel has been using it. So I made a I made a pre-modern for non-idiots group. That's literally the name of it. Are you in this group? I invited you. I think. Yes, you invited me. For non-idiots, and Rebel was using the term check to put opponents in check, which is insane. I've been doing magic theory for. 30 years almost and like it's it, isn't that insane it's like the argument was so rebel is playing david daniel uh style uh insidious dreams draco explosion combo which is it's like the closest thing you can get to a two card kill combo in in um in pre-modern but mm-hmm. like you can start off with like ritual negator or ritual hypnotic specter or just like you know grim lava mancer you know like just regular creatures and Look, the thought process was you put your opponent in check with, like, you know, first turn Hypnotic Spectre or early Phyrexian to get it. Like, a lot of decks only have Swords of Pleasures for removal, so, like, a 5-5 Trample for three is actually, like, pretty daunting. And then they're, like, literally under pressure. So if they change their game plan or they have to answer you, and if they don't, then they might just die to this 5-5 or get their hand emptied by Hypno. But if they do, they have to use their resources to do that, and then you have the open to go, like, Insidious Dreams for the combo and just kill them. Right? Mm-hmm. Isn't the concept of check awesome? Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's 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 awesome because it's intuitive, I think. Like people understand it, but people don't talk that way. So deck damage, check, these are great, uh these are great terms. Uh I'm sorry to have cut you off. So you have your Jace the Perfected Mind deck. I will remind you that you tricked me into wildcarding some ridiculous Jace the Perfected Mind Tamio deck before the RC. That was like a lot of my wild cards and when we didn't play that deck. I think you just jumped the gun too fast. I thought that deck was pretty pretty sweet, though, because you would just Jace and then Tamio back another copy of Jace. Yeah, the deck was... I should try that I should try that deck again. That, that deck was really fun. <laughs> the deck's incapable of competing with, like, just the decks people were attacking with. Anyway. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, it was a Fable of the Mirror Breaker world, so, I, yeah. So, my... Fair, fair. My, my, my thought process now, I guess, I guess my, my original thought process with building that deck now is that, okay, it's a deck that, if Domain is a very popular strategy... It's very good at it, it plays very similar to Esper Control, but has a way to just like close up the games faster than a regular uh, control deck could. Because with the, re- regular control deck, you're just trying to win based pretty much with just um, the Wandering Emperor and Murex. And this felt like a way I could actually play like two copies of a card, two copies of Jace, and just put myself in a position in the game to just put play both in one turn and then kill my opponent for lethal. I mean, you do factually have a completely different angle, right? Like, you can play right. the Perfected Mind and fireball them out in one move. Exactly. So, I guess, um, going in... So, the, I have an SCG in about a month that I'm, I'm preparing for. And now, the standard metagame has, is in a totally different position because of Worlds. And um, we've seen a bunch of different Esper decks pop up. There's Green Black. There's the return of... Azorius Soldiers. So I thought you would love this green-black deck. Like, how, how does Mosswood Dread Knight not speak to you? That guy that, seems no, I, like he'd just be right up your alley. It, I think that card, that, that, that deck is, I think I'd just be worried about having a tournament where, like, I don't know, I just, it doesn't excite me enough to, I don't know if it plays to my strengths enough, but I like I like that deck a lot, like the, like the, the turtle deck where you mill and you get your yeah. restless Cottage back. 
that, that deck is really really sweet. Um, but I I think at, at some point in my Magic career, you told me that like the best decks that I play are ones besides Burn, or like the ones I play from behind. Like think about my like approach of the Second Sun type strategies and stuff that I've I've played. Yeah, I um, I was also I was also thinking about the Spring to Mind deck. Do you remember you had that deck? Yeah, yeah. Like the three color Spring to Mind deck. That was okay. You did pretty well with that. Well, you ended yeah. up losing to Carmen Handy in the top eight of that SCG, right? I did not. No, that was that was oh, the Carmen Handy I lost to or Carmen Carmen Comparance. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, I lost to her in the top eight of that SCG where I played the blue white deck. Oh, okay. But so yeah. who did you lose to with the Spring to Mind deck? I lost to a player playing Teamer Emerge. Oh, in the top eight of that that tournament. That must have killed. But you. I felt it. It was it was definitely my hardest matchup the entire day. My opponent also had like triple. They they had I think our game two or three. I lost to triple in a row. Ah, God, what's that Eldrazi octopus that like you flash in with a merge and you can like tap four lands or something? Yeah, but you're playing minutes. like a powerhouse deck, and you're just like losing to some emerged garbage. That's like Reed losing to Black Green Midrange in the top eight. When I he's don't up know. 2 Like I lost to a, a blue deck, like a Counterspell deck, Counterspell and and Tempo Permission. I guess, Counterspell I emerged that deck. All right. Anyway. 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 Uh, I think the point is, if it were me like... and I were you, I would be turning Godric sideways. Have you read that card? I feel like I knew you were going to bring up some sort of mono-red strategy into this. It's like the best deck. It's just the best deck, dude. It's the second most popular deck at Worlds. I mean, none of them made top eight. But, (laughs) I mean, I don't know. Well, were there any decks that went, like, you know, because we're including the draft records, were there any decks that went, like, X1 or X2 or something in playing mono-red? I did. I didn't look. I can can look right now. It it can't be a great sign for the deck to have been the second most popular deck and nobody made top eight. But... I, that's the deck I play on Arena, and, um, you know, I'm just going to use the normal Michael J. disclaimers of, uh, you know, I have a super high win rate in, on I'm looking at, and, and in I'm events. looking at, at the world's data from on MTG Goldfish. Yep. I think the best the best red player went 4-3. and three. Yikes. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? Well, you know what's really close to the Spring to Mind deck? The what? Greg Orange deck. Uh, the yeah uh, the beanstalk deck i i played some of the deck online i actually didn't like it that much i felt that it i think it was definitely in greg's wheelhouse and like it's just a deck that's built very well for for himself i i maybe i wasn't playing it right but i i didn't feel like i could really i, I could compete that well with with the esper decks as much i mean are you gonna have like a lot of time to test like the thing that's embarrassing for me is I had a big tournament recently, like a, maybe two weeks ago. Uh, I had the Sacred Torch Showdown here in New York. We played a 1.5K of pre-modern. Uh, I tested, like, basically every day for two weeks with Landy Ho. I would probably put 30 hours of testing in. Mm-hmm. Land started off 0-2, and I, I screwed up my win and in. I literally just screwed up. Like, I made three mistakes in one game, which is uh, two mistakes too many, right? Right. It's three mistakes too many, right? But... Uh, so I probably wouldn't have won the tournament. There were like a lot of decks in the top eight that would have been very good against uh, kind of a white base board control deck, but mm-hmm. uh, I still should have made top eight probably. Uh, and I prepared the most probably of anyone for that tournament. Uh, and ultimately what I'm asking you is, do you have a lot of time to test 
select for this tournament in Dallas. Because I think that there's a big difference between if you have a lot of time to test or not. Like, and I can I can tell you, Roman Fusco, as your mentor who's also like likes to do nothing more than to grind out matches of magic, we can we can just fire up the Discord and yeah, play against each other I, if you want. I'll, I'd I, love to trade with you. I guess what I'm tournament. what I'm wondering, like with my testing, is that I feel like I had this idea that made sense to me in terms of like playing against the various domain cascade, whatever you want to call them, strategies. But now that the format's a lot different, I'm I'm wondering that you know, say if I if the SCG was tomorrow and I registered that blue black deck, it it probably wouldn't be the right, you know, in its current iteration, it probably would not be the right. So deck to, re- to play I, for BMA, I'm going right? to throw a curveball at you. I, let, let's say that I assume everything that you say about your Black Blue Jace, the Perfected Mind deck, is 100% true. Everything's true about it. Why sure. would you play that deck instead of Simon Nielsen's White Weenie deck? So, like, imagine you were in one of these domain situations. Instead of, like, controlling the battlefield with, like, you know, control elements like discarding counterspells, you could just put them in a kind of a back foot position with your white weenies and then just selectively counter their sevens with a uh, with light permission uh and i think you're accomplishing a similar thing while having like a pretty pretty fast clock and like that deck just overall is so good at playing both playing multiple plans and then also if you want to play behind your whole day uh and steal wins left and right is there really a better strategy than just, you know, fragile white creatures that you could throw out there in a world of um, shieldreds and red removal? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> no, I, I think the thing is, again, I'm just, I'm, I don't really enjoy playing those strategies, and I don't think I'm, I'm particularly good at them either. So I, I think I would not maximize my chances of winning the tournament playing his deck, for example. What's, what's your I favorite like deck I... you ever played? The red green monsters deck that you played when we played in the finals of. Uh... That, that okay that deck I, I okay that, that has a special place in my heart because that deck i built that one too i mean it was similar to like the jun monsters deck that was around in standard for a while but that deck i was playing like i was playing cards no one else was playing like i was it was my deck was like four elvish mystic four carrioted something carrioted xenagos the reveler palucranos stormbreath dragon crater's claws the fireball do you the remember ferocious in game and like one, I, faded conflagration or something. Game one, I was on the play and had Atlanta War Elf or Elvish Mystic, whatever it is, right? Game two, you were on the play and had Elvish Mystic. Game three, I'm on the play again. And you're like, oh, I have an Elvish Mystic, but I had two Elvish Mystics and I was third turn Doomwake Giant. I think you awesome. had yeah, yeah, I died. <laughs> I was like third turn Doomwake Giant, fourth turn seven drop Garrick. Was that my curve? <laughs> How are you gonna beat my seven drop Garrick? Man, I couldn't. yeah. What was that? Four in the morning? We played until four in the morning on like a weeknight, right? It yeah, insane. it was something something crazy. I yeah, think like, our event. It was a grand pre trial. Our event started at seven p.m. Yeah, a on, six on a Wednesday round, or Tuesday. Yeah, or something. A six round Swiss started at seven p.m. and we played out the topic because we both wanted the the buys. That was remember, insane. Yeah. It's like three or we, four. We also we sure, also right? drew into top eight together too because we were both. Yeah. Like, so. so I, I think that was I was also a tournament. I think I molded a four and I won. My my four was like stomping grounds, elvish mystic, courser of crufix, and maybe second land. I forget. But Something like we weren't really friends yet though. We had played. No, in like one we tournament. we played one. We had met one time before. 
So the other time, though, I was the reason I asked about the Red Green Monsters deck is when I like decided I was going to be friends with you is when I won that PPTQ with the black blue, black blue, uh, Dragon Pearl Lake, yeah, Pearl. No, the Pearl Lake Ancient deck. I no, won no, no, you, with, had, you had you had a Silumgar the Drifting deck. I had one Silumgar the Drifting deck oh, in sure, my sideboard, had, and, had, and one Pearl Lake Ancient in my main deck to win the game. And it, <laughs> God bless me, I was able to win the win the tournament this way. But I was your only losses in Swiss and in top four, right? Correct. So I beat you in my Swiss. My only loss in the entire tournament. Yeah, so you lost to me twice in both games. Remember, th- both game threes. Yep. Yeah, so I, and I was on the play in both times right yeah i, I won the so. role in the swiss and i had play in the in the top eight so but i think you really like these sort of like monstery decks like you were that that was like a what not vivian was it nissa like you're making four fours deck right that was like your thing you like i remember the pivotal ma- uh, well, turn I the match well i you made th- a bunch that- of four fours and then i aether spouts to you it was sweet yeah, I think I that was that was an Abzan deck though. That was like an Abzan aggro deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it was it's monsters, been... right? Like you want to yeah, make. Yeah. I think you want to make monsters that have like some flexible game plan, and I think that there's a lot of decks that do that in standard right now. Like, are you really above casting a Topiary Stomper into a Archangel of Wrath? Like, I feel like that's the same thing. I'm not, but I think when I, if I were going to play a non like controlled deck, because I think I think also since then I've grown as a player and I've been able to like appreciate control strategies a lot i remember I, I lost a lot to control decks when i was playing all those scg tournaments at like um king's games and i think i i adapted to those decks a really? lot more my my recollection of you in those tournaments and king's games is me in the top four and you winning like that was like a bunch of consecutive tournaments where we were playing those super iqs the worst one was the second one when we didn't get paired against each other in the top four no no, no i'm and saying then, this is like years before that years before oh, that, i was okay. still at, like when I was still at NYU and I was just like I was in my freshman year or sophomore year at, at college and I was playing like Abzan mid range Abzan aggro type decks. Yeah. So the reason I so bring I, up, I, I think I, I changed I changed my I changed a lot of things as a, as a player in that time. Yeah, but think about this, Roman Fusco. You can play the monsters. You can play a four four for three that draws a card or more, right? You can play like Ar- Archangel of Wrath is a stupid magic card. If you have mana, it's that card is really stupid. And then you also have Atraxa, but, but, you know those decks just sideboard negate and disdainful stroke, right? Like, you have the controlling elements if you want, and also Beanstalk Sunfall is freaking stupid. That is a, that that exists is dumb, man. I, I think this is your deck. I think instead of trying to beat the domain decks, you just like, maybe you just get good at executing with the domain deck. Or like angling to win the mirror. Like, so here's the thing. What's the most popular strategy in standard, right? Like a, a conflux Esper. of Esper Legends and Esper Midrange, right? Doesn't mm-hmm. the domain deck have a pretty good matchup against both versions? I don't know if that's true. I mean, I, I think that Esper might be a little more powerful because you can just start putting you can start putting your game plan together by by the time you get to an an Atraxa or a big Haymaker, you've just a make disappear. Did you top eight an SCG standard and then try to get me to go with a uh, Esper like like a weird stupid Esper deck where like you had a top end like Planeswalkers control, but you also just played like a random two two that like made one ones when you played a gold card. Did you? Top yeah, eight? that was I. I got I lost playing for top eight. That, that was the open I was talking about from four years ago. But my, yeah, my like... deck was my deck was uh, it was hero, but I had like. I was more of a. I had, yeah. I had more than one creature in it. Yeah, but that deck was nonsense. 
Think about how good you must have been to almost make top eight with this nonsense deck. Well, I mean, I, I just got it was like week one. It was like the very week, the first weekend that War of the Spark came out. So I was like playing Teferi and Narsets, and people had no idea what the cards. No, did. yeah, half your deck was great. You're like the Teferi Narset six casting cost Liliana sweeper side of your deck was. You also had like whatever some sort of like Wrath of God effect that was pretty good, right? But then you're just Kaya's like, wrath? I forgot. Like, yeah, it's probably Kai's wrath, right? I don't so, think I had a. I don't think I had a wrath on the same deck as my hero. You definitely did. So I'm I'm looking like, this up. I don't believe you're this. just like I'm gonna play a turn two grizzly bears. I'm gonna like make some planeswalkers, only some of which trigger my grizzly bears. Wait, 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 wait. Let me let me look here. Then I'm gonna wrath them all away when my opponent catches up. Okay, I'm I'm. This is for my own due diligence. There, I had no wrath. So you're you're lying to me. My spells. Okay, I'm reading. I'm reading the deck list. Two deputy oh, yeah. of detention. Read this deck. Yeah, read it. Read it. Read it. Read it. Read it. <laughs> Two deputy of detention. Four hero precinct one. Wait, wait. Seraph- is deputy of detention the detention sphere? But he's also a one one. One three. <laughs> it's one three. Okay. So all right. All right. Start, so over, deputy, start over. All right. Oh my god. <laughs> two deputy detention. Four hero precinct one. Three seraph of the scales. Four thief of sanity. To discovery dispersal, to enter the God Eternals, three Mortify, for Thought Erasure, to Tyrant Scorn, one Narsip, Parter of Veils, three Sorin, Vengeful Bloodlord, two Teferi, Hero of Dominaria, three Teferi, Time Time Reveler. Uh, I'll skip over the lands, and I'll just do the sideboard of... I had two D-Spark, three Veto, three Duress, one Enter the God Eternals, one Kaya, Orzov, Usurper, two Liliana, Dreadhorde General, one Oath of Kaya, one Time Wife, Time Wife. See, you had a wrath. In my sideboard, and one Veraska's Contempt. How much better would that deck have been if you just cut the four Grizzly Bears for four wraths? <laughs> it's funny that, like, uh, Zach Allen, uh, who I stayed with for that tournament, made top four yeah. with Esper Control, and I beat him in the feature match area, I think. But his deck tournament. was basically minus four Grizzly Bear plus four wrath, right? Like, No, his deck was, like, his deck was like wrath... It, I mean, I, if, I, if I was the player I am now, four years ago, I would a, a thousand percent have just regged his deck. He had like four Absorb, two Chemister's Insight, two Veto, three Wrath, two Moment of Craving, two Mortify, four Erasure, two Tyrant Squirt for contempt, four Contempt, one Liliana, two Narset, two Search for Ascanta, and four Teferi here of Dominaria. Oh my god. It's insane. It's insane to me that the only copies of, of Teferi Time Raveler are in the sideboard. Yeah, like what were, we, what, 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 what were we doing this weekend? Like I had, I think I had, I had, I had only played three because I'm like, oh, four is too many. That card's like can't be that good. Oh, uh, when Once Upon a Time was spoiled, I'm like, I think this card is pretty overpowered. People were like, shut up, it's a bad impulse, and I was like, oh no, this card seems, this card seems like a very good impulse on the first turn. <laughs> yeah, I, I think after this, this deck just became like Othakaya plus Deferi Time Raveler and just kept bouncing back. Yeah, to, because to that's stuff. insane. Like, good luck ever getting attacked. Yeah. Right? So, anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway. So, okay, look, we're, let's try to solve your current problem. Uh, here's my dilemma here. I think that if you're going to go the Esper route, you should go like the Four Shielded route. Like, you know, Depraz was the only player with Four Shielded, and he won the tournament over all these people who had Three Shielded. Shieldred is real dumb. Like, that card is super-duper good. I think that if you're not going to play Shieldred, and you're just, like, imagining yourself to be the, quote-unquote, the player you are now, but, you know, having a bias for Hero of Precinct 1-type decks, 
I think you should go with Domain, which plays like the seven drop shielded that that draws three cards, five cards, ten cards, however many cards you want to draw, uh, instead. But you know, I don't know, dude. If it were me, I would be I would be having a, a flipped Godric in four four mode, attacking in the red zone on turn three. I played a first turn, Kamado faces Kakazan, and I know the rules, so I know that on turn three, when it flips over to Edgings of Kamano, that is <laughs> one half. Of four, four. That's yeah, it's one half of the celebration, brothers. Let's go. All right. Well, I think that after this call or sometime soon, we'll we'll start talking and testing some standard and see what we come up with. Oh man, I would love nothing more than to brain you in standard with my red deck until you were beaten into submission and we're just like, all right, Michael J. I guess we're just going to register Godric. We'll see. That's anyway. what you did at the RC, and then you betrayed me and registered Rakdos instead. Yeah. I would have just bought would... the Rakdos cards. if I was just like, oh, I really like this Rakdos deck. Do you remember that? I'm like, this is how I think we should play Rakdos. And you're just like, oh, but Michael J., you're so good at mono red. You're like always Mythic 100. And I'm like, I am so good at mono red. Let's just... Let's just play mono red, and then all we did was play mono red mirrors every weekend. Did we ever do anything else? Just mono red mirrors, right? Yeah. <laughs> what kind of playtesting is it? When I, both uh, of us have unlimited accounts, but we just play mono red mirrors. I, I, the next time we're queued for an event, we are just gonna <laughs> we have to start from scratch and just do something completely different. No, no, I'm that like was, saying this out loud. There are listeners to this podcast. Roman and I. Both had, at the time, I haven't played in like two or three months, so my wild cards have dwindled. But at the time, both had basically stocked standard collections, right? Like, we both could make any deck. We had, like, god accounts. like Yeah. Just from, like, winning drafts, right? Like, but in, because I was, like, playing, like, three events a day at the time, right? But instead, <laughs> we just played Mono Red Mirrors every weekend, <laughs> And I don't know what we were trying to accomplish. <laughs> Just like, oh man, I got you. <laughs> that was. <laughs> I flipped. I'm like, because it's just like I'm on the plane. I have Kamano. <laughs> like, oh, I have a second turn Felden. <laughs> man. Yeah. So what, if if you're gonna help me test for this SCG, I'm not. We're not doing just mono red mirrors. But I'll I'll, yeah. I'll indulge you for a bit though. Well, you should play some mono red. I can play like most of the mono red. It doesn't matter. I mean, there are other well, good decks. I agree. I think um, shielded based decks are really good. I think I, I I am very attracted to Simon Nielsen's deck. I think that. Do you remember when I played that match with uh, the the red white Boros deck? Uh, remember you roped me into going to the regional championship, and I was like, I don't want to go. Because I'm like so depressed that I didn't win this PPTQ last week. Do you remember that? You're just like, oh, Michael J, you're like the best at Boros. You should go, right? And the match that I won to make top eight against the uh, the guy who had won the Star City event the week before with humans. Do you remember mm -hmm. that match? Yeah. Right? And then like some kid comes up to me after he's just like, I've never seen anyone play Boros like that. And I was just like, you just, you just got to watch people who know how to play, you know? Like, I feel like Simon Nielsen's deck has the same sort of gameplay possibility where people's expectation of you is you're just like first turn Savannah Lions, you know, like second turn beaters, let's go, let's go. But really it's like this like flash speed fairies deck with a ton of card drawing, right? Like 
uh, you could play either mode. Like if your opponent is you know misses their land drop, they're probably effed because you literally can be. Here are all my Savannah lines. Let's go. But like you could also just play this like, elegant sit back game where your opponent's constantly playing into your mana and every exchange is tempo positive for you. And if your opponent doesn't do anything, you just draw three cards that turn. Like, I feel like that deck is sweet. Just don't get behind a shield room because I don't know how they can remove a shield from the battlefield. <laughs> I don't know, man. It looks kind of difficult. How? So how? How do I rope you into going to this SCG event with me? To Dallas? I didn't even yeah. go to Worlds. Every, like A bunch of like my civilian friends were like, oh, how was the Magic World Championships in Vegas? And I'm like, I didn't go. And they were like, why? And like, I didn't even really do anything that exciting last weekend. <laughs> just didn't go. Just coming out. But Dallas is... Uh... Are there SCG Opens in Philly or something? There were ones in Philly last year. I would go to, I would go to the hell out of those. I don't know if there are, but you should come to, to Dallas. It's in, it's in like three weeks, four weeks. There's Pittsburgh in November. I'm not going to that oh, one. There's no Pittsburgh. way. I might go to Eternal Weekend in Pittsburgh. Uh, I don't know in, if it's the in same. In Philly? No, it's in Pittsburgh this year. Oh, it is? Go figure, right? I mean, ugh, why is it in Pittsburgh instead of Philly? Uh, but I might do Eternal Weekend. I'm, I'm not sure yet. Because I am a pre-modern player. Because I'm, I'm a filthy casual now. Well, why don't you just, like, Reg Monorad fly to Dallas in three weeks? Uh, I don't think I'm going to do that, but... Wait, I mean, I'm also... What, what is the weekend of the, the Dallas event? October 20th to 22nd. Oh, man, I don't have a great excuse. I'm traveling the week of the 6th and the weekend of the 14th. But I think that's, like, too many weeks of travel in a row. All right, all right. Well, we'll do some testing, and I think we'll get back to our viewers with the results. Yeah, so uh, we're not going to get back to our, our listeners in, like, three weeks. We're going to do more episodes. I know we do, are. Do I just, like, need That's to... That's why like, I said the results from the testing, not the results from my event. Do I need to, like, hire Turks to just, like, walk hire. down the, the, the streets of, uh, of L.A. and just be, like, just be like, oh, are you Roman Fusco? One half of the Ancestor Recall podcast? I really like that, right? I feel like, <laughs> I feel like you could hire... I feel like you could hire them for like five dollars if you, you to do that. Anyway, I think we should wrap it up here. I have to run. Okay. What are your thoughts on this Patrick Chapin article? It's good. I think that it's it's interesting to me that I think standard or just you know magic in general, the deck building does feel a little more constrained because of how high quality certain cards are like for example cryptic command like why would you not play cryptic command why would you not play shieldred but i think it's interesting to think about like decks that are similar and why would you play this version over another right like how maybe jean and the pro picked uh esper legends over like esper midrange or esper control for example right yeah i mean they're all they're all rafine's towers decks but they're all very different yeah, do you, we have... Well, not really. Like, Esper Control is quite different from Esper Midrange. Oh, yeah. Like, but, but Esper Legends is the same as Esper Midrange. just doesn't get hit by duress, I think. Well, yeah, you, you're just cutting, like, wedding announcement for, like, Denik, right? Yeah, and you're playing... well... I mean, you just have, like, a different distribution of Legends, I think. And in exchange, you have, like, some Battlefield 
general uh, like some card advantage generating battlefield permanence in esper midrange which yeah I, I i think that esper legends is just a structurally better deck like if you just watched how the top eight matches went every time your opponent cast d- duress they basically missed which is like pretty meaningful considering there are a lot of main deck duresses right now mm-hmm. or like even negates and then um like that's a pretty big deal and i feel like just if you're going to be a shielder deck playing four shielders instead of three is just like a real thing so yeah you get um, to maximize one of the best cards in standard if not the best card one of the best cards ever the um do we have two more years of shielded after this because of how they changed the rotation shielded no shielded wait actually i think it's two more years of shielded oh my god i feel like the card's gonna get banned at some point yeah just so for, I, just for deck diversity more than anything else so like here's my thought on this if they're if they're like okay we're gonna elongate standard rotations because we want people to get more mileage out of their decks they can't selectively ban the cards that people actually collect for their decks which is kind of what they do right like or i'm gonna ban like fable the mirror break or whatever the fact that they've banned fable the mirror breaker but didn't ban wedding announcement seems like a severe lapse in understanding the format to me but like the thing that's a bigger problem is I feel like it's it's not that people don't get that much mileage out of out of their deck and that like by making the rotations so much longer than they did, they're gonna get more like kind of more bang out of their buck. I think that the bigger problem is that like some cards in standard, like Godric is in the dollar bin, right? It's in a, the it's in one of the better decks, but it's a rare that's in the dollar bin. But Shieldred, if you need to own a, a playset of Shieldred for standard, it was pushing four hundred dollars when the when march of the machine packs were 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 still out there right even that card the card's still like 70 dollars or whatever because it's so popular in other formats right it's it's playable in pioneer and in modern so you have this yeah yeah so if for it to be elongated in standard like those prices are not going to go down for standard play over the course of the next two years when there's not march of the machine packs to open right like that i think that is a flaw in the in the theory like you're, you're like actually increasing the cost of standard because cards like shielded exist and are so popular but right. that is a topic for another podcast um but anyway uh i don't have a vote over what you should play anymore other than you know i like godric or whatever uh instead i'm just gonna say we'll test and see what happens i think i'm gonna go back to the drawing board for a bit and also take into take into consideration the three questions pointed in the prime directive. That is a wise move. That is a wise move. Patrick will be happy that 12 yeah, years later a, someone is still learning from it. This is a productive podcast. All right. Get it up there onto the internet. People love the Ancestral Recall podcast. And get paid by KYT. All right. <laughs> we'll do. All right. Bye, brother. Bye. Great.